Good morning, Refuge Church. Are you enjoying this beautiful weather? Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and tell him what you did yesterday to enjoy the beautiful weather. Or just look at him and smile. Either way. What a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold, and my adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community that we call The Refuge. We do it together. We're a team. Next Sunday, for more than Mother's Day, you don't want to miss because my wife will have the microphone. And, uh, yeah, she's going to do an amazing job uh, talking about what it means to be a mom. And uh, it's, it's amazing that we're in this series um, I really didn't plan it this way, to be honest, but um, we're in a series where we're talking about spiritual growth, and uh, after this morning's message, the next one is about being a spiritual parent, and I thought long and hard about talking about being a spiritual parent on Mother's Day. It kind of makes sense, but what I decided to do is that I'm going to have my wife talk about what it means to be a, a physical mom so that hopefully the next week I can take that and build upon it, and uh, no pressure, Tanya, um, to build upon it to talk about what it means to be a spiritual parent. I'm really looking forward to it. But anyway, thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, uh, there's a card in front of you and the chair in front of you. Just fill that out, and uh, I just want to send a uh, thank you card in the mail to say thank you for your time. Uh, You're never more generous than when you give your time. It's the most valuable resource that we all have. We can never get more time. We can always get more money. We can never get more time. And so thank you so much for your generosity this morning and being here. Today is Small Group Sunday. That means that we are beginning small groups. So yeah, let me explain it to you. What that means is if you sign up for a small group, then uh, whatever night of the week that, begin, that, that's, that meets on, this week it will meet. So uh, I have to tell myself that because I'm leading a small group, and I've got a day that I'm leading it, and I have to tell myself, Adam, you've got to be there for your small group this week. And so um, if you signed up, uh, it'll meet this week. But if you haven't signed up yet, you can go to refugemain.church slash groups, and uh, you can find all of our groups there. Uh, and let me tell you, if you haven't signed up yet, you want to do that as soon as possible because there are some groups that are, um, that are limited in how many people can be in there, and, uh, and groups fill up fast. And so uh, the last semester, um, I noticed just how fast Groups fill up. So um, head over there today, refugemain.church slash groups. You can even do it during the service. I don't care. Like, just do something to get connected. We all have to be connected because we're not meant to do this life alone. You can't, you can't live the life that God has for you and do it by yourself. Um, you just can't. You need other people to encourage you along the way. And so uh, small groups, uh, as my friend Shermer likes to say, is the secret sauce of the Refuge Church. Today we're in week four of a series that we've called Spiritual Growth Chart. And uh, how, how awesome was, was, were the babies? How, right? We, we don't really care about all the other people, but the babies were adorable, right? Um, I loved the question today, what does grace mean to you? 
But notice the previous two videos that we've shot were about Easter and about Jesus. A lot of people in life, even, even if it's just about the Easter bunny, they can answer the question, what does Easter mean? And a lot of people can even answer who Jesus is. But when it comes to grace, it was a little, if you noticed, the, like especially the kids, like they just kind of sat there with a, with a blank look on their face because grace is a concept that not everyone understands. And the way we designed the, the videos to match the series is that when we're talking about being spiritually dead, we're talking about Easter. When we're talking about being an infant or being a child, we made it a little bit easier. But as we get to the young, the, the young adult phase, which is where we're at today, we're in the later part of the, of the chart. When we get to the, the more depth that requires a more in-depth question. And so in this series, we're just standing up against the wall and standing up against the corner with the, with the measuring stick just like your mom did when you were growing up physically, right? She'd get out the measuring stick and she'd see where you're at physically. But oftentimes what happens is we don't do that when it comes to our spiritual walk. We just go through life and, and we just try our best to, to grow, but we don't really understand what really growing means. So today we're talking about being a spiritual young adult. The five phases, if I can go through them quickly with you, are we talked about on Easter being spiritually dead. Everyone that is ever conceived is spiritually dead. Until they invite Jesus into their life, Jesus comes inside of them, breathes life into the spirit that's dead, making them born again, bringing their spirit to life, and when that happens, they don't, you don't come out of the womb as a 10-year-old. You don't come out of the womb as a 30-year-old. You come out of the womb as an infant. So we talked about being dead first, then we talked about being a spiritual infant. And then uh, last week, we talked about being a spiritual child, what it means to be a child. And, and I talked about how the child phase, we learn obedience. We learn the foundation. We learn, like, we're build, it's building season. We're building on who we are in Jesus. And so we, we baptize 21 people. Just kids learning, taking that first step of obedience, the foundation. Today we're going to talk about being a spiritual young adult and what that means. And next week, we're going to, or next week Tanya's going to speak, and then the week after we're going to talk about being a spiritual parent and exactly what that means. So the definition, if I can give you a definition of a spiritual young adult, it's this. In this stage, people are making a big shift from being self-centered to being others-centered. They're beginning to understand their role as a giver rather than a taker. They're ministering to others, putting other people first. They're being doers of God's word. As a spiritual young adult, you're beginning to understand what it means to die to yourself. 
And some of you guys are like, oh, well, I thought I was a spiritual young adult. <laughs> this, again, it's why the, the, the questions got harder. When you come to know Jesus, you don't just automatically learn to die to yourself and what that means. Some traits of a spiritual young adult is they're beginning or sorry, they're becoming less self-centered and others, more other-centered. They're beginning to see themselves as ministers. If our church operates like I'm the only minister and Tanya's the only minister in this house, we're in trouble. We're all ministers. You're beginning to see yourself as a minister, and they are tithing and giving their time from a place of thankfulness and love. So you're giving your time and your money from a place of thankfulness and love. As a part of being less self-centered, is a part of being less self-centered is realizing that your most valuable resources come from God. Your most valuable resources come from God. I want you to, to know this morning that the truth that we're talking about is God's desire for all of us. In fact, I would, I would go on to say that the, the desire is that we would all become spiritual parents. God doesn't want you to remain an infant that's not what your mom and dad wanted for you. Maybe they did. I don't know. <laughs> but that's never healthy. Growth is always the goal. And so I want you to know, we understand that everyone is on a journey. We don't expect everyone to be young adults. Now, our desire, just like God's desire, is for us to grow to the point where we're young adults so that we can become parents, so that we can operate in that. But that's not, that's not the truth. The truth is we're all in different places. That's okay. If you're sitting here this morning, I don't want you to be discouraged that's not where I'm at. And really, Pastor Adam, I don't know that that's ever where I'm going to be. Well, we're going to do our best to make sure that that's not the case, that you're going to grow. You're going to learn what it means to be less self-centered and more God-centered, more other-centered, because that's what God wants. But I, I hope that you don't get discouraged with this message, because it's Growing up's hard. Physically, like my kids are like our teenagers. Like they're both in high school. And um, I don't want them to grow up. Like, but, but they have to because that's what's best for them. And guess what? That's what's best for me. <laughs> but it's hard. Growing up is hard. Christianity to me is, is so unique because I'm pretty sure it's the only religion that's out there that encourages you to 
fully surrender and die to yourself in order to find real life. We all want to live forever. We all want to live in eternity, but frankly, we don't always want to do what we need to do to get there. Christianity says that you have to give up your life to find life. We're going to read that scripture in just a moment. So turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking. And I, for the next two weeks, we're going to be in Luke 9, and then we're going to be in Luke 10. And I love these two chapters when it comes to the spiritual growth chart. Before we read God's word, we always want to invite God into our conversation this morning. So would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads as we go to the Father and ask him to speak to us? Father, I need you. Surrender isn't something that is easy. God, it's hard. And I I pray that as we strive to grow, that we would know where we are on this chart and that we would do everything we can to take the steps necessary to get to the next level. Father, I pray for a church filled with spiritual parents that are reproducing, that are going into all the world and preaching the gospel, telling others about who Jesus is. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today from your word, that your voice would be louder than mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Luke chapter 9, if you're still with me, let's read it together. It says this, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost and destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. And in the glory of the Father and in the glory of his angels. Verse 27, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, that is good news. It's good news. We have the ability to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus taught us to pray. But the way that we do that is by getting out of the way by giving up our way, and by surrendering to Jesus. And so that brings me to today's big idea. If I have one thing I want to communicate with all of us today, it would be this one truth. Spiritual young adults are working on the prioritization of surrender. Spiritual young adults are working on the prioritization of of scripture. We're learning to prioritize others more than us. We're learning to prioritize Jesus more than us. We're prioritizing it. 
And listen, when it comes to priority, there's always a process. I did a message series on this a, a couple series ago. And the only way that you can prioritize is with process. You have to have process in order to do it. It has to be a decision that's made. Because what happens when we get face to face with our feelings, guess what we're going to choose? We're going to choose us more than we're going to choose God. And so we can't just come to a place where it's a choice. It has to be a decision, a process. And so today we're going to talk about prioritizing surrender. Are you, anybody want to get up and leave right now? Like, you guys are like, yep, I'm out. See ya. Whoop. That's all right. Just turn down the volume. It's okay. I believe that this is where God wants us all to be. Surrendered completely to him. Whatever I have, God, is yours. Whatever you ask, the answer is yes. But I think that oftentimes there are two major barriers when it comes to surrender. The first barrier is that we aren't willing to surrender our lives. The first barrier is that we're not willing to surrender our lives. The second barrier is that we don't fully understand God's kingdom. Those are the two barriers that we have. And those are the two barriers that we're going to talk about today. The first one we're going to spend the most time on because oftentimes we don't want to surrender our lives because we want to hold on to it. The second one is we don't understand God's kingdom. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about what Jesus called giving up your own way. Giving up your own way. I see four things, and, and these were just the four things that God revealed to me for this message. I think there are probably more things that often get in our way when it comes to giving up our own way. However, I've got four things that we often hold on to because we don't like to surrender them. And, there's, there's, um, and they're, they're practical. The, the four things that I, that, I'm com- that I came up with for this week are very practical things that when we learn to release, we'll find ourselves surrendering. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. The first thing that we often hold on to is something that Jesus addresses in Luke chapter 9. Our reputation. I believe that the reason Jesus mentions our reputation in this, this passage is because what happens oftentimes is our reputations prevents us from surrender. In fact, it will even prevent us from the initial confession and repentance that's required for us to receive Jesus. Look at verse 26. If anyone is ashamed of me, why would you be ashamed of God? <laughs> well, because you care about what other people think. Because you care about what other people are going to say. Because you want to be seen differently. If anyone is ashamed of me in my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person. Man, that's scary. 
But I want you to know this morning, it's not as scary as it sounds. Worrying about what other people are going to think or going to say when it comes to your growth, your spiritual growth, will rob you of what God has for you. I believe that's what he's trying to tell us. When you put your shame before your surrender, it robs you of who God wants you to be. Like, not to make this about me, I never, I never want to do that. But I think about the simple decision. I, listen, it wasn't simple at the time. But the simple um, story of when Tanya and I said, you know what, let's move to Maine and start a church. What are people going to think when we sell everything that we have to move to a state that we've never lived in, that we know no one? What are people going to say? They're going to say, how crazy are they? In fact, people said, how crazy are they? They want to go to New England? Do they know that it's cold there in more than one way? Cold temperatures, cold hearts, all of it. They're crazy. But I learned a long time ago that saying yes to God was the best yes I could ever give. And look at us now. Not look at us, but look at our God. Because the yes, listen, don't take this the wrong way. The yes to come to New England wasn't for you. We didn't, we didn't say yes to God for the hearts of people. We said yes to God because it's what he asked us to do. And what he asked us to do, where we required to do. And so you have, as, as a spiritual young adult, you're learning what's requested versus what's required. When you come to a place of surrender, it's no longer a request, but it's a requirement. That wasn't in my notes. And it was two hours and it was awesome. <laughs> I might just be a preacher. Somebody remind me to say that in the second service, please. You have to understand the requirements. When you learn to live in surrender, you understand that this life, it's about the things that God asks us to do are required. Number two, the second thing we hold on to is our time. I told you they're practical. So the first one is our reputation. The second one is our time. Holding on to your time will prevent you from growing spiritually. 
Psalm chapter 39, verse four through five says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Our time on this life is temporary, If anyone understands that, it should be people from Maine. Like, Pastor Adam, you don't understand. I got to experience all the time outside I can because it's fleeing. It's going to be gone. You want more time outside this summer? Spend more time in the house of God. And he'll give you the time. That's not a manipulation tactic. That's a biblical truth. That when we, when, when we understand that our time comes from God, and when we give back our time to him, he gives it back tenfold. Because that's how he works. I don't know how it works. I don't understand how it works. I don't have to understand how it works. I just know it works. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants to do. As spiritual young adults, you understand that time is of the essence, time is of the essence and that God wants to do something in your life and other people's lives. But the only way he can do it is if you give the time to him so that he can. Number three, this is the one that you've been waiting for. This is the one you know I was going to. We, don't, we hold on to our reputation. We hold on to our time. What's the next one? Ha <laughs> ha, told you. We hold on to our money. Because it's my money. I earned it. I I worked for it. Yeah, you did. But who gave you the time to do the work? Who gave you the ability to do the work? It was, it was God that did it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, I love how God uses money in my life. I wish he'd use a little more. <laughs> Truth. We all want more. We all, we, we all say things like, I'll give, I'll give to God more when he gives me more. Listen, if you can't tithe off of $100, just 10, you're not going to be able to tithe off of $1,000 when it's 100. So you have to learn to, that the principle is we give back to him so that he can give back to us. We have to let it go. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart are also. I love how the scriptures point our money, our, 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 our treasure to our hearts. The fact is, is that you cannot separate the two. That the, it's why greedy people are greedy people. Because that's what's in their heart. I just have to get more. We have to learn to live with open hands. Because God can only fill 
open hands. He can't feel hands that are closed, clenching on to what we're holding on to. Think about how young adults use their money for just a moment. Again, the spiritual and the natural are so, like, parallel. It's ridiculous. And the way that, that young adults use money, let me rephrase that. The way responsible young adults use money is that they're building, they're saving, they're investing, they're trying to, to build build a resources so that they can purchase a house, so that they can buy a car, so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do in life, but they have to build. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Again, thinking, shifting from the natural to the spiritual. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, bring the tithes, that's 10%, Bring the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food for my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. I want enough room. I don't want to have enough room for the things that God supplies me with. Try it. And then I love how he says, put me to test. Money is the only place where God gives us permission to put him to test. Challenge him. If, listen, if, if you don't tithe and you just give, let me, let me just real quickly if you just give, so again, ch- children aren't responsible for supplying for the house. That's okay. I understand that. They give based on what their piggy banks have in them. But young adults are growing, are building resources, and the scriptures tell us the way we build resources in the house is through the tithe. So, If you're not tithing, let me encourage you. Just try it for 30 days. Just just a month. In fact, even try it for, if if you want to try it for 90 days, we will, we'll, we'll give you all the money back. Like, we live with a money back guarantee. Like, that's our, that's, that's our philosophy at the Refuge Church. I, we haven't talked about that in a while. Maybe we need to start talking more about that. But if, you just, if you're just giving a, a, an amount, if you're just tipping God based on what he's given to you, based on his service, woo, right? Because that's what we're, we're doing when we don't give him t- the 10%. And don't get me on tipping. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Let me go back to the money guaranteed. Try it for 90 days. If you, if you tithe for 90 days and you missed it, we'll give it all back to you. All of it. Because you just say, Pastor Adam, that, that just didn't work for me. I believe God's word that much that that's what we'll do. Number five, four. So one, reputation. Two, time. Three, money. Four, we hold on to our 
past. You guys were like, man, I thought the money part was hard. We hold on to our past. And the reason we hold on to our past is because we hold on to our reputation, right? So Ephesians 1, 6 through 7 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us, belonging to his son, his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. When God forgave you, when you asked him into your life and you, you repented of your sins and you asked him to forgive you, he forgave you of your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. The sins that you will commit. But he especially forgave you of your past. So why can't we forgive ourselves of our past? This is something that I've had to learn. This is why my preaching has gotten better in the last 10 months. Because, and if, if, if you don't believe that, just ask your neighbor. They'll tell you, my preaching has gotten better in the last 10 months. They're like, it got better from this? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. See, that's, okay, so perfect example. Right? So I, I'll beat myself up. But when I learn to forgive myself, when I learned to forgive myself, you know what I got rid of? My insecurity. I got rid of my insecurity because I forgave myself for the past that I had done. Let me show you in Scripture the reason why forgiveness will get rid of your insecurity, your, and, and it will, you'll find freedom in it. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says, don't Sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger is a foothold to the devil. What, what gives a foothold to the devil? Anger. And how many nights did I go to sleep angry with myself? Giving the devil a foothold on my life. Thousands. But jump down to verse 31 and 32. Because Paul is going to tell us how to let go of that stronghold. How to get rid of that stronghold. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, right? The previous verses talked about anger. Get rid of all anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness will release the stronghold of anger and the stronghold that, the, that Satan has on your life. That's when you'll experience freedom. I loved a couple weeks ago when my friend Mark came. And if you, didn't, if you weren't here, go back and listen to that message. The breakdown of Matthew chapter 18 was so spot on. It, I believe it is the best message we've, we've ever heard at the Refuge Church. 
phenomenal. Go to refugemain.church slash messages um, and uh, just look for the refuge logo and, and Mark Malding. And it was just such a great, great word. But it was through my time with Mark that I under, began to understand Ephesians chapter 4. That the forgiveness in my life lets go of the stronghold that Satan has on me. And so at the beginning of the message, I talked about how there were two barriers. The first one is that we don't want to surrender our lives. The second one was that we don't fully understand God's kingdom. So I want to talk about God's kingdom just for one second, and then we'll be done. Jesus talked about God's kingdom over 80 times, scholars believe. I don't want to oversimplify something that Jesus talked about over 80 times. But I think the reason Jesus talked about it over 80 times was because he knew that we would complicate it. He knew that we would complicate it, so he, would, he wanted us to understand it. But I can very easily explain to you what a, how a kingdom works. I mean, I think uh, England just uh, co- crowned a king, right? Like, we're like life, like the Bible in real life, right? I'm not saying... Anyway, but the way a kingdom works is it's required to have a king. Israel's biggest mistake was when they went to Samuel and they said to Samuel, Samuel, give us a king. We want a king. Samuel's like, no, what have you done? Because the only king that we're ever supposed to have is Jesus. And if I could explain God's kingdom to you, it would be this simple. Jesus is king in God's kingdom. And Prosperity in God's kingdom isn't about me and my prosperity. It's about the king and his. Isn't about my advancement. It's about the king and his. Isn't about me and, and, and the things that I want. It's about the king and his. In God's kingdom, Jesus is king. His kingdom is all about him and his advancement, not mine. When Jesus taught the principle of surrender, giving up our own way, in verse 27 of Luke chapter 9, he said, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying? He's saying that when you learn to surrender, to give up your way, that's when you see God's kingdom. When you learn to put Jesus on the throne of your heart, that's when you see God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is far greater than this earth. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
I love you so much. I believe that God wants to free some people today. But the only way that that can happen is if he's on the throne of your heart and not you. Some of you are in the room and you're like, Pastor Adam, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know that I could do this. That's okay, you're just a kid. You haven't been following Jesus that long. But some of you are, have been following Jesus for a long time and you're still a kid. And it's time that you start to surrender. Starting practical. Just give up what other people think about you for the sake of God's kingdom. That's not so that you can go and treat them however you want because you don't care what they think. That's not what that means. It's just saying yes to God. Some of you haven't put Jesus on the throne of your hearts because you're afraid of what other people are going to say about you. So the simple question today for all of us, regardless of where you're at, on the, de- on the growth chart, who's on the throne of your heart? If you're here this morning and you want to place Jesus on the throne of your heart, I want to help you. Would you say this prayer? And if you say this prayer, would you fill out the card and just mark, I'm committing to follow Jesus? Would you say, God, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of thinking about what other people think. I'm placing you on the throne of my heart today. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from them and I turn to you. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I am so glad you came to church today. Are you glad you came to church today? Yeah. We're going to sing one more song and then we'll be dismissed. If you want prayer, my friend Dave and Linda are up here. Come get prayer, receive prayer. And just know that God has the best in store for you.